Welcome to The Gateway, your compass through the uncharted waters of the mystical and spirit communication. Broadcast live from United Public Radio Network, 107.7 FM, New Orleans. I'm your host, C.L. Thomas. In the next hour, we'll traverse the realms of the paranormal and explore the ignatic world of spirit communication through my special guest, James Anito. James is a longtime demonologist, paranormal investigator, and researcher. He's been on my show before, Small Town Tales, and he's also traveled with me, or rather, I traveled with him through Romania on a tour with Mysterious Adventures Tours. James, welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you doing, Crystal? I'm doing good. It's really nice to see your face again. It's good to see you as well. It's been uh, since Romania since I last saw you. I know. We haven't talked to each other for a long time. Well, we've so, talked to each other, but not physically face-to-face. -face. Not face-to-face. -face. It's been too long, friend. Yes, it has. <laughs> James, your specialty is demonology, and we're going to jump right into this. What got you down this path into demons? Uh, well, you know, I would say I wish it would be the same story that a lot of people give about why they got into the paranormal. You know, the, the traditional story is that uh, I dealt with a haunting when I was a child, uh, or I could see and hear and uh, would have nightmares or visions or would actually project out of my body. But none of that actually occurred in, in, in my childhood. And really, really what really kind of, catapulted me into the paranormal field and into demonology in itself was uh, childhood trauma and struggles with the uh, uh, ideology of God or a higher power in religion. So, you know, of course, as a troubled child being adopted and raised by a Lutheran family, having to go to Bible study and church every Sunday, hearing how God is so good and hearing, uh, uh, you know, everybody praising and, you know, it, there was just something in, with me as a childhood rebellious, maybe uh, that I was like, this doesn't seem uh, authentic. You know, I seen the clicks, I seen, you know, the troubled kids, the parents getting mad at their children. And it, there was just so much that I would analyze as a child in, in this predicament. And, of course, being told the story that why I was given up by my family or my, my biological parents and adopted, I, you know, I really started kind of doubting a, a lot of what God would brought, brought forth to humankind or if God existed in general. So, you know, um, probably eight or nine when I could become literate in the sense of uh, understanding uh you know, of course, of course, a verbiage and uh, being able to read myself, I started picking up a lot of tomes and a lot of manuals and a lot of scientific uh, journals uh, with within theological sense uh, viewpoints. And then, of course, biological and uh, anthropological. Um, and I was very into uh, uh, macroevolution. Uh, I was I would like to call myself in the youth uh, a Darwinist. Uh, you know, now we know it as neo-Darwinism, but I was a Darwinist as a child because I was so uh, on the evolution bandwagon that that was my kind of mantra to disprove uh, God and a higher power. So, but yeah, no, I, for most of my youth, I dug myself into encyclopedias, uh, into uh, different uh, 
uh, to tomes of mythologies and theologies. And then basically uh, I came across a few shows um, and a few books that talked about the paranormal. My mom used to, uh, my adopted mom used to watch uh, Montel Williams and uh, uh, a pretty potent guest on that show was uh, Sylvia Brown, uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. well-known psychic medium at the time, also known became a fake later on in life. Um, and then, of course, um, you know, there was uh, Leonard Nimoy in search of, and then there was also a show called Scariest Places on Earth, which threw families into haunted locations with these devices before, like the big paranormal boom, where they would record themselves uh, in the situation. It was kind of like a game show. Um, so I was, you know, I was invested in that in my uh, early childhood. And I was like, well, okay, well, now it's kind of like going down um, uh, the rabbit hole, like Alice did uh, to get to receive the Wonderland. And I said, okay, well, ghosts are a, 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 a fundamental uh, possibility in the sense of like a phenomena. You know, maybe ghosts could be an outlet to help me understand a higher power. If ghosts exist, and then that would give kind of credence to a god or higher power. And then, of course, you know, I was big into ufology um, as well as a child, big into science fiction. Star Wars is my favorite movie, as you can tell. I have a few Star Wars posters behind me. So I started analyzing, okay, well, if things lived on beyond this universe or beyond this uh, earth and there are other Goldilocks zones and, you know, life is uh, permeating on those uh, lands, uh, what would life look like? And so it really started uh, becoming so much uh, a part of my life. And then when Ghost Hunters came out, that was really the kind of the trigger uh, that really put me into actually getting involved in paranormal investigating or ghost hunting when I was 14 on the, uh, uh, on the cusp of 15 years old, because then there was like a ha ha moment that, okay, well I live in Rhode Island. There are people in Rhode Island that are plumbers by day. You know, of course that was what uh, the yeah. nuance was of it. Back ghost then. Hunters. <laughs> um, but you know, kind of really enabled me to get a bunch of buddies together and go legend tripping and going to places that maybe we shouldn't have gone uh, break definitely broke into a few places that were off limits. Um, but you know, our intent wasn't to uh, uh, do anything of the defacing of the location. It was just to get kind of our like interest and be, maybe be scared or um, kind of, for me, it was fundamentally to get answers and some concept, but also to uh, be spooked if could possibly be spooked. And so, yeah, so, you know, of course, all that. Uh, and then, you know, I became so invested into it, you know, really what was the launching point that got me into demonology and to end this tangent was that um, I was in the, I, I 18 years old, um, I would say more 19 but basically, uh, 19 years old, I went into the the military. I was uh, a service member in the U.S. Army. I didn't. I was no more than a year because I got medically discharged after my training, and uh, which kind of sucked. Slapped me, slapped reality in my face, and really kind of has a lot to do with where I got my faith because I do have faith now. But when I was in the military, you know, every Sunday I would go to church or temple or some or synagogue or something like that to to get away from cleaning the barracks and there's one this one time that i went to this 
this service for the Church of Christ. And I would do my old routine of trying in the pews or, you know, see trying to wither off so drill sergeant didn't see me to get a few kind of extra nap, uh, extra uh, kind of season. And, uh, you know, I felt like this sudden jolt over my body. And all of a sudden, before I really could uh, understand what was being said by the pastor, I had raised my hand. And what I raised my hand to after that sudden jolt was to be baptized. And, you know, normally, yes, I am a jokester, uh, but normally I I would rather uh, try to get a, a nap in instead of getting dumped into a big tub of water or a.k.a. holy water. And uh, so, yeah, I raised my hand uh, because of some uh, sudden electrical jolt that happened to me. And after I got baptized that day, you know, my uh, uh, perspective of being anti-Christian, anti-religion, and anti-all this, uh, anti-God, uh, I started actually becoming very religious. I started reading the Bible very heavily after that day, uh, started praying all of a sudden, which was pretty uh, actually weird uh, for me. Um, and then, uh, you know, I would say 10 months, 11 months later is when I got medically discharged, you know, after a full year of service. And, you know, it really uh, put me in a dark place because, you know, I wanted to be a lifer. You know, my my step-grandfather was lieutenant colonel. My grandfather served in four different branches. My grandmother, biological grandmother, you know, uh, long story short, knew some of my family, even though I was adopted, of course. Um, my biological grandmother was the first uh, um, lady, uh, first woman officer in the Navy. Um, so I had felt like I had let myself fail and let, you know, a lot of my connections to the military fail. But then I realized something. I was like, this was uh, a, a message to God. This was a path that I wasn't meant to go down. So really having that faith and that moment of being baptized really kind of uh, gave me an, enough inner strength to overcome a lot of my ill attempts of my past, you know, I'm a suicide survivor. And at that point, you know, I, in my mind, I was also thinking I'm not good enough. And, um, you know, I could have ended my life, but because of my faith, I did not end my life. And then, so, um, from that catalyst, I basically then became a pastoral assistant at my local church of Christ down the street, probably 15 minutes away in East Greenwich. And, um, you know, doing pastoral assistancy, uh, with, uh, my, my pastor basically would let me, led me down to finally being ordained as a, as a, as a pastor myself. I, you know, I know I did myself as a deliverance minister because the aspect of the paranormal and spiritual warfare then kind of melded together because throughout that period of time going through my pastoral assistancy, um, um, I was also involved myself in investigation of the paranormal, which was kind of like uh, uh, an oxymoron because of what my church would preach that ghosts would be demons, kind of thing. Yeah, I, I kind of looked at it in a different pathway and said that I do believe that things uh exist in a corporeal sense, um, and then a non corporeal sense as well. So, really, all that kind of led me down to demonology, you know. I could go longer and longer about my life and <laughs> elded me uh, into where I'm at right now. But, you know, that's the fast track. You know, I, I'm 33 years old. That's 33 years of living that I could explain to you uh, uh, to, to why I'm where I am at now, you know.
So in the field of paranormal, we deal with so many different religions right now, um, mainly Wiccan. Um, there's a lot of witches involved. There's Jewish people involved. Does it really matter if they're Catholic to kind of appreciate the services of a demonologist? And also, where does God fit in the paranormal? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I, I think that faith can be uh, omnipotent and omnipresent in the situation. Uh, uh, I think faith generally is a God-given gift, but at the same time, it's also, uh, you know, a, as a psychology major, it is also uh, a, a component of our brain. You know, the faith structure is a component of, you know, uh, of how our synapses fire off, um, how we are motivated, how we set goals, uh, how we can believe in those goals. Um, it, it really is a fundamentally a big part of who we are. If we lack faith, then we probably will lack drive. Um, and we, we see this now with the um, development of social science and neuroscience. But um, how faith uh, transcends the paranormal in sense is that I feel like ghosts and, uh, you know, elementals and all these beings that we talk about and investigate, uh, even if it's paranormal in a large sense, aliens and cryptids, I think all has a connection to a religion or a, or a faith or folklore, which also usually tends to come from a belief system because a lot of these ideologies that we have in modern times all fluent from a specific belief system, you know, the ideas of ghosts or uh, reincarnation or spirits lingering can come a lot from Eastern cultures. Um, you know, Hinduism being the oldest modern day religion, um, or even to the branches of animism, which everything is life um, and everything has a soul. So a lot of religion or, or faith in general um, or belief systems has a deep connection to the paranormal because without those uh, uh, civilizations that uh, really quantified uh, a, a specific thing to a specific other thing, we would not have the understanding of what ghosts are to this day. So it's really fundamentally through uh, our uh, adaptation from human civilization that we are at the point of where we believe in ghosts and um, other items in this specific cultures that believe in specific things differently. You know, Western culture here in America, 44% of people believe in ghosts. That's, that's a large, that's a large percentage of people, especially in a country that has 300, 370 million people, I believe, give or take, yeah. um, maybe a little less, but still that's a hell of a lot of people. 44% of the, that people is a lot, is quite a few hundred million. Uh, it's about a hundred million people, I think. Um, uh, but, there's uh, there's 44,000 um, paranormal investigating groups alone yeah. on so, social media right now. And most of those people have a faith structure to them. You know, you'll like I know there are a few uh, skeptics or agnostic or atheistic people that are part of those groups, but many of those people have a faith structure. Um, because I went on a tangent. Uh, what was the second part of that question? <laughs> um. You know what? I even forgot what it was. It, where does God fit in? Oh, I know what it was. Mm -hmm. Can these different faiths um, appreciate a demonologist who's coming primarily from a Catholic background? Well, yeah, I would say 
I'm not just from Catholic background because, you know, um, yes, I did, um, I did, of course, convert to Catholicism and became uh, a deacon with the United States Old Catholic Church, which I'm no longer part of and no longer uh, associated with the church at this point in time in my life. But, uh, you know, I started off as uh, uh, a Christian, but I also then also started off technically as uh, atheist or agnostic whatever terminology you would like to uh, uh, coin it as. But um, I think my form of demonology is Christian-oriented, but it's very eclectic. I, I've studied probably every major religion and every, every sub-religion that has existed um, throughout human civilization. So a lot of how I approach cases uh, use a lot of the critical thinking that I've gained from observing uh, different belief systems, reading about different belief systems. So uh, I, but there are also many different forms of demonology as well. There's radical demonology, which is a, for, from the Judaic faith. There's Islamic demonology uh, where Muslim leaders uh, would of course invoke the rite of exorcism or some form of it. Um, then there's also of course, um, you know, Hinduism, Hinduistic demonology in the sense because um, you know, a Tibetan monks performed the rite of exorcism uh, yeah. differently, but for many years before the uh, Catholic rite ever came to fruition, by using a farber dagger, you know, they would stab it, they would absorb the energy into the dagger and then stab it in a bowl of rice so it disperses. Um, so, you know, my, my form of demonology is very eclectic. Uh, and, you know, yes, it is Christian oriented in my faith, how I believe in it, but I also don't detract away from other people's belief systems. I empower people to believe in something that is good for humankind. If it's not good for humankind and just good for yourself, then I really maybe not approachative or uh, an agreeance to it. You know, I'm friends with a lot of Satanists. Um, you know, Satanism is very misunderstood. You know, they're very rebellious yeah. uh, in nature, very prolific to the sense of uh, believing in themselves, not really in a Satan like you would think they were are in, in the Christian sense. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends that are Satanist and then really not bad people, but there are other religions out there that are centered on doing bad towards people, or at least not religions, but sects of religions. There's extremist Christians. The KKK is a Christian group. They're terrible people. Um, but there are other forms of religions or uh, uh, faiths that have these extremist groups that uh, go beyond, above and beyond um, the call of duty and do bad things. And I don't agree on that. Hey, James, um, we have a special guest that popped up in the comments. It's Maria with Mysterious Adventure Stores. And she says hello to you. Hey, Maria. With all of the cases that you have been on over the years, how many cases that you you would say without a shadow of doubt have been demonic in nature? Um, so quintessentially, I still linger on this number, you know, um, I would say five and, you know, roughly give or take, uh, you know, here or there, depending on consultation physically involved, I'm in probably in the north of over 500 cases. So if you really equate five demonic cases to over 500 cases, that's basically 1% of my cases, wherever 
considered a thought to be demonic. Three of those cases, uh, uh, 100% uh, were. Two, I'd have to, I'm not really wait, unwavering, but I would say there's two more, so maybe seven, but two of those cases uh, out of the seven were um, highly debatable. You know, I, too, too early in my career um, to, to uh, I didn't employ enough critical thinking or anal, uh, anal, uh, analyze, uh, analyzing, analyzing in it. Um, you know, I really just went off of like my 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 gut feeling or thought and yes that could be good because it's a part of the tools i use um you know and james that's that's a really good point and i don't mean to interrupt you but one of the questions i wanted to ask is that there's such a rise in demonologists right now in the paranormal field and i feel like it takes a lifetime to be a true demonologist through study and and things like that um what do you have to say about all these people popping up claiming to be demonologists and what does it take to be a demonologist and to decipher between what is an actual demon and what isn't? You know, I always joke that I get, I, I, I went to some band camp and got a badge for being a demonologist. Uh, but you know, uh, out of the realm, that's not true. You know, in reality, uh, I, Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Havey. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com. Uh, coin myself with that term, you know, I started off using the uh, the title studying demonologist, and then of course then got the respect of peers, uh, where you know using the title uh, wasn't like far fetched because people actually respected me, um, respected my drive. You know, like I said, I'm ordained in two different Christian denominations. Um, also, you know, uh, as of August, I'll have my psychology major, my psychology degree. You know, so I also have put a lot of time and effort into researching as much as I can, um, helping people as much as I can free of charge, of course. So, you know, quintessentially, like, there is no true way to become a demonologist in the sense that, um, like, a licensure or, like, making it a career, a, a, a career, career field. Um, but, you know... The problem is that I see with a lot of people that start naming themselves as a demonologist, they feel like it's some roller coaster ride, um, some form of attraction of entertainment for them. Um, and a lot of these people, unfortunately, uh, aren't very well versed in, in a lot of different uh, methodologies or ideologies. And it's uh, scary because they're going to put people at risk. Um, you know, I think that a good demonologist understands uh, 
some realm of psychology. Um, and there's a lot of people that don't uh, understand psychology or social science. And uh, um, so, you know, coming up in this field at a, at a young age and as a young demonologist, probably, probably you know, I, I don't know in historic, his, his history books, in, in historical value, but I do believe from my understanding of uh, the lineage of demonology from King James and beyond, you know, I'm probably, if not the youngest demonologist that had existed at one point uh, and, uh, and my ability of being involved in it. But so I faced a lot of flack, you know, I faced a lot of people saying, oh, he's too young to be a demonologist, but, you know, knowledge is power and age, uh, you know, age doesn't always equate to wisdom. Um, so, um, you know, I, I, it's scared. You know, be be wary of people call themselves demonologists. You know, I, I came from a lineage of people that were trained uh, 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 from from Ed Warren and, you know, worked with a lot of people that came from Ed Warren. I also worked with a lot of people that came from the churches, um, from different faith structures that deal with the form of spiritual warfare and work with them, um, learn from them. So it's like, I put a lot of time and effort into it, you know, still put a lot of time and effort into it, uh, learning every day kind of thing. But yeah, no, I would have to say, be, be wary of people that call them, call themselves that there's no yellow pages or there's no, uh, indeed of demonology. Um, so you have to be careful, but I am actually working on something, you know, I, 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 one thing that I've always tried, tried to do is uh, companionship or uh, uh, unification. You know, I hate the word unity because it's never going to happen. But, you know, you, know I, you can attempt an action and try to unify as many people as possible. Not everybody will be unified. But I've attempted many times to get demonologists together of all different backgrounds. Uh, you know, I had a, a big uh, demonology panel a couple of years ago in, in Massachusetts with some of the most top tier demonologists out there. Um, you know, I'm working on, um, uh, you know, it's going to start in the new year, but you know, right now I have Leon Wilkes, uh, myself, Shane McGillis and, uh, possibly Keith Johnson, uh, um, working on this, uh, kind of brotherhood where we actually are going to, uh, push for an angle of actually somehow, uh, making demonology uh, a, a true identification um, through either uh, licensing boards, you know, uh, or something. You know, if you go to Salem or you go to some places, you know, to be a tarot card reader or a pilot, yeah, you, have to have a you, license. Have, you have to get a license, right? It's, so it, That's even true here in Las Vegas. I just found this out. Yeah. You have to have a license. A to, um, especially if there's monetary gain to it. Um, mm -hmm. But with what I do is no monetary gain, but I still want to push for, uh, you know, if you're promoting yourself as a demonologist, you know, to get this licensure or to get a background check, a proven background check, a, a proven psychological evaluation, um, you know, because I, I feel like that is a necessity, um, you know, because when you're going into people's houses, and uh saying the, the d word uh let's um you know you're putting people uh at, at a very big risk because yeah. it's a psychological ramification because a lot of people especially in western culture that believe in demons i believe it's like a crazy high number about how many people believe in angels compared to ghosts uh i think it's like 10 percent more maybe like 55 percent of people believe in angels but 
Uh, you know, my numbers might be a little off, but I'm in the ballpark there. And um, um, what is it called? So, you know, if you go into somebody's house and say you're dealing with a demon, they're already going to start analyzing uh, what did I do wrong, what, uh, what happened, and they're going to start have self-doubt and start defeating themselves. And if they're not really dealing with a demon, you know, self-doubt and all these things can create mental health issues such as depression, anxiety, uh, yeah. paranoia. And so you're, okay. you're... And that's the thing that people don't understand is people can really get hurt through this if you're not properly trained. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like self-harm is a big thing. You know, people like will take it out on themselves because they they feel like they are the problem and that they already have mental health issues, which, you know, where we are out, where we are at in this time of age, we, we are seeing the most spikes in mental health issues that we've ever seen in human civilization. So where we are at now with the human mind, we have to be wary with what we're saying to people. Like, it, it, it's maddening, even, even ghosts, even spirits. I think when you're investigating people's houses in, in the normality of sense, you should be careful what you're saying yes. to people. Like, if, you, if they are dealing with something, that's great. Sugarcoat how you deliver it. Sometimes you deliver it the wrong way. It can make right. the situation a hell of a lot worse. And that th these are issues that I see, issues I have to clean up, you know. And unfortunately, a lot of clients don't want to hear it either. You tell them something, then yeah. you know, I've had a lot of clients the past couple months that I tell them that, okay, well, you think you're dealing with a demon. Well, I need you to go see a psychologist or psychiatrist. And then they stop talking to me because I think they think I think they're crazy. But it's if you want help, if you go to a doctor and the doctor says, well, you're dealing with arthritis, you know, you can take injections or you can do this. You could either listen to them or not listen to them. Go get a second opinion. The second doctor says the same thing. The third doctor says the same thing. Oh, uh, you know, like it's like, but eventually the problem is that with the paranormal field, they're going to come across a second demonologist, a third demonologist that calls himself that, and they're going to mm -hmm. everything they want to hear. You yeah, know you're saying? exactly right. You so, know, and that, I, um, I kind of, I'm, this is going to be a little controversial, um, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Demon cells is, it's everywhere. And just about every haunted location now has a demon of some sort every television show you see someone's getting possessed um i just investigated the goldfield hotel here in nevada and honestly the place is not as negative as what i saw on television there was no way that people were getting possessed and i didn't even feel a demonic presence at all in this place there was nothing that indicates that but just this past week a video pops up on YouTube of this group of investigators. And of course the girl that was in there is claiming to be possessed. Hmm. It's like everybody wants to be possessed by a demon all of a sudden. Is this just people trying to get attention for money or is this, is this like a, a cry to, that they want to be touched supernaturally in some way? I mean, what, why is this trend happening? Well, it's the good old marketing technique of, uh, you know, sex sells. Now it's evil sells, you know, uh, you know, most, <laughs> most uh, highest rated uh, horror movies nowadays are on the concept of evil. Conjuring's a billion dollar series. You know, a lot of those cases that really had nothing to do with demons, you know, Conjuring 1, 2, and 3 was a little bit different because that really does come off a variation of, you know, da the boy David was 
uh, I believe, really being possessed by something and dealing with something. But how it comes from there is speculative and debatable. But, um, you know, a lot of these big movies nowadays, even Insidious, which is one of my favorite, was about astral projection. Of course, magically, there's a demon involved in that. So, you know, evil sells because it's really, you know, uh, uh, what people are scared of. It's what what's attracts people. Can you imagine watching the movies Paranormal Activity without there being a demon in it? Like you're just watching this fan move and it's like found footage and there's, you know, there's just a ghost, Casper's in there and dancing around. Like, <laughs> like you would lose the value of that movie uh, and, and the shock value of it, um, you know. So a lot of that idea of sex sells, now it's evil sells, and we start to see this a lot. Look at the uh, Travel Channel for a long time. Now it's starting to dissipate a little bit. You know, it was about travel, Anthony Bourdain, Andrew Zimmerman, uh, and so on and so on. And and now it became all about paranormal. And it's because Travel Channel knew, well, look at Ghost Adventures, the longest running uh, series which started really, really well, and then started to start to have its identity to understand, okay, well, if we do this, we'll start getting a lot of viewers, which they did. And now a lot of people are trying to copy uh, that formula because they see how well Zach's done in, in that industry and how well he's done with, of course, his museum in Vegas mm-hmm. and so on, so on. So that's why, you know, haunted objects are so much popular nowadays. You know, John Zothis had the show Haunted Collector, but rarely did we ever hear about objects being collected and put in people's houses. Now, because of Zach Bagans, people are doing it out the wazoo. You can go on eBay, buy Haunted Dolls, which is a bunch of crapola. Um, you know, it, 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 it's such a cultural phenomenon now that so many people are gravitating towards it. I've been, like you said, I've never been to Nevada, but I've been to a lot of other prolific places like Bobby Mackey's, um, Waverly Hill Sanitarium, uh, and the list can go on. Uh, Basilica Axe Murder House, oh god, the House of Wills. Uh, a lot of these places that fundamentally have been told that there is some form of evil in there, and I never felt that at all. And I'm not saying I have a clear sentient ability or a clear audience or a clear buoyancy or a clear ability at all in general. What I'm saying, I, I, there's a difference between between when I've experienced it, a hand, uh, you know, face to face in a predicament, and felt my body trembling, the uh, the fight, uh, fight or flight instinct, the adrenaline instinct that comes on to you um, in those situations, even not really knowing that there was a presence there. You know, you you walk to the threshold of the door, you it becomes wavering. It beca- it becomes very uh, the, uh, very hard the barometric pressure uh, can be felt. So in these in these pr- these spots, I never felt any of that. I felt calming, soothing, and mm-hmm. and then also too, what really boggles my mind is to what people don't understand about demons. Yes, in some form, if you have a, a collective amount of people and do some black art and do some binding ritual to a location and tether this demonic spirit to this location. Most of the time, a demonic entity doesn't fester in one spot for long periods of time because when they find their target, now they're with their target. And that's really how I start to analyze cases. If I tell, if the client tells me when they leave their house, they're fine, then I really start to kind of understand that it's something with the house. If, if it follows them, then it's maybe an attachment or 
could be truly demonic. Depends on the characteristics that they're experiencing and the physicalities and, um, you know, the, the iconography uh, uh, um, uh, attacks as well. But, um, you know, a lot of these places don't have demonic activity. And it, like, once again, it's like sex sells, but evil sells that, you know, it's going to attract people because, you know, people are fascinated by less, less the good, more the evil. When have you ever put a news channel on and said, well, today, 10,000 babies were born. Hip, hip, hooray for population. Um, well, Mayor, Mayor Giuliano uh, just uh, saved 100 people today. No, it's about death and calamity that we hear yeah. about more than anything good. Yes, there's the good stuff that does periodically uh, fall through, but it's really all about what's wrong uh, with the world or wrong with people than what's good with people. And that's, and that's just humanity. It, it's, it's how our, our, our psyche works. Um, so does that mean we're just hardwired to be messed up if we're always looking for the terrible in life? I have a question. Uh, here's, there's a question from the audience that says, James, what about people that hang an exorcist sign up on their door? Is there an immeasurable risk that comes with this for victims that may think they are possessed? Yeah, no, it's like calling yourself a demonologist and I have no clue. But I think uh, calling yourself an exorcist without any proper training or even without any proper ordination is uh, highly dangerous because, you know, I always tell people I'm, an, I'm a demonologist, not an exorcist, but an exorcist is a demonologist. Uh, demonologist isn't an exorcist. Uh, exorcists deal with a form of psychotherapy known as exorcism. And it, 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 in many ways, if the person that's not possessed, um, in a relative way, an exorcism can be used as a form of psychotherapy, as a placebo effect, to make that person think that they actually have been rid of what external force they think, they think they've been dealing with. Um, you know, Hippocrates is very well known for the father of mm -hmm. medicine used to perform uh, exorcisms um, uh, early in his, uh, uh, in his Greek uh, days um uh to uh, use it as a form of psychotherapy uh some exorcists do but a lot of them don't nowadays because they understand the difference between mental health and a spiritual affliction and a lot of uh even the catholic church will start to lean towards uh, a mental health affliction than spiritual affliction because we have of course now start to understood uh schizophrenia bipolar dissociative identity disorder and um, we start to realize that, that a lot of things can really uh, mimic what we thought to be demonic for a very long time in civilization. You know, like the, uh, the European Inquisition, where millions of people or a million, up to a million people died due to uh, uh, superstition, either being witches, werewolves, uh, being possessed by demons, were killed, burnt at the torch, uh, uh, rocked. Um, so on and so on uh, because of witch hunters. Um, and we thought that was a connection to evil, uh, uh, the, uh, to Lucifer, Satan, or de the devil. So, you know, we've come to really understand the human mind now. But yet, to call yourself an exorcist without any proper training um, or any proper ordination um, is, is very dangerous because you're going to attract people that are, you know, either mentally ill 
or really dealing with something. And then when you're uh, presented this and you're uh, physically there trying to be some sort of, uh, I'm going to call it a charlatan because at that point they are a charlatan. But um, when this person is trying to help these people, they're going to, they're going to fumble and they're going to put people at uh, danger. You know, that person can uh, uh, under, through under influence, kill themselves um or, or become so such a shell of who they are um so there's a lot of dangers when you fumble the ball in, in, in situations and i'm not saying an exorcist uh, like that is properly trained will never fumble the ball uh but there there are proper precaution precautions this proper protocols if things don't work you know usually a uh, proper exorcist will actually have medical staff uh, involved in the exorcism, uh, either a nurse or a doctor or somebody that can take vitals. Um, so, you know, when, when exorcists get involved through their proper protocols, which the Catholic church does, um, due to liability reasons, um, you know, there is a, a procedure and it's very important to have these procedures. But when you're having somebody that calls themselves an exorcist that has no connection to a church, um, has no proper training, then there's, they're not going to have these procedures and they're going to put themselves at risk. And of course, uh, the people that are dealing with that risk and that's dangerous. Can demonic activity and negative entities have some impact on the human mind? Um, I know we talked about suicides already, but what do you think of murders such as uh, that famous case in Connecticut with Arnie Johnson, who says that the devil made him do it? Do you think there's any truth to that? Do you think he was like mentally ill? Are there any cases that exist that may have been influenced by demonic? Well, I don't. So I, I work with, um, well, I did a you know, great friend. We did have a podcast together um, called True Evil. She's a leading criminologist. Her name is Laura Brand. Um, she was the toolbox killer expert. And, uh, you know, I've had the ability for uh, quite a few times. She gets calls every day from San Quentin, uh, which is the uh, lar largest concentration of serial killers in the country. And, you know, she gets calls from them frequently on a daily basis. And I've sat on many calls with her uh, when these people call. And, you know, I've asked this question a few times. Uh, and I've asked her this question a multitude of times, um, you know, I do not believe when people are serial killers or murderers that they are necessarily uh, conceived by some evil to do a task. And I'm not saying it, it possibly can't happen. You know, when I was talking about David the Child and Conjuring 3, that is actually the Arnie Johnson case. That's the devil made me do a case. That was the first time in the United States history or the judicial system where uh, demonic possession uh, was utilized in the defense of the U.S. court system wasn't the first time in the world because the first time it was ever uh, adjudicated towards was um, actually the Annalise McKell case where she actually died during exorcisms and, you know, the priests were tried. And of course they presented the argument that, you know, she was demonically possessed. So it wasn't the first time ever presented in, in, in a court system, but um, I, I don't know. I don't know of any true cases, and I'm not. I, Arnie's a great friend of mine. I, I've I've broken bread with Arnie many uh, many times. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I all I can say is we did a, a, a episode. I don't know if it's still on YouTube, um, but if you look up True Evil, 
we actually uh, interviewed him and Tony Sparrow about the case and just listen to it and feel like what you feel off of uh, his story. You know, I'm, I'm in the middle ground because he's a friend of mine um, and I really can't tell you what, what I really think of that case um, because I don't want to ruin friendships. And, uh, you know, I respect what his perspective of it and what he went through. But, um, yeah, just listen to that episode and, uh, you know, see what you take into it as uh, face value. But, like, the son of Sam, I believe he actually uh, said that he saw a demonic dog. That's not true. He That it was all fabrication. So a lot of these people that feel like they have been uh, presented by evil to do something, it's real, in reality not true. Um, but throughout civilization, I think a lot of it was mental illness. A lot of it is mental illness. But I will say, though, and I will defend this, is that um, when people are dealing with demonic possession or oppression or even dealing with demonic infestation, if they if somehow um, have this demonic entity that tethers to them or their family or is uh, uh, creating mayhem in their life, they are likely that they have a trauma, a traumatic history, and there is a sense of trauma there. And I, every case that I've ever had that dealt, dealt, deals with this topic or even in form of attachment has a level of trauma to their life, mm-hmm. uh, either if it's minute or very expansive. But So it's very interesting to see that trauma and mental health is a portion to why people deal with some of these things. So it, it there is a commonality to it, but... As far as murders, I, I, I really can't explicitly say that um, it, it's true or not, to be honest with you. Uh, there, to me, there's beside the Arnie Johnson case, there's really no other case to really throw stones at, say it really happened. What about vices that people have, such as alcohol addiction and drug addiction, depression, things like that? Do those come into play at all? Yeah, well, I think that if you are being oppressed by a demonic entity, if you never drank in your life, you could start drinking heavily. Um, you could start uh, abusing drugs. You could start being depressed. Um, and I, I think that really a lot of this festers off of what this entity might be telling you to do um, or what your uh, body or your mind uh is reactive to through what you are going through in, in this affliction. Um, you know, because one of the things when a demonic entity does enter you or does enter the premise and does start oppressing or infesting a location, you know, it, 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 it's uh, intent is to lower your morale, uh, decimate your faith. So then it has a point of intrusion um, and, and a way of access into that person that is the target. So, yeah, it, it will utilize your weaknesses, uh, vices uh, um, to, 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 to counteract any positivities you have in your life. It will uh, decimate any relationships with friends, family, um, so you don't have any social support. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of those things are proactive in what a demonic uh, uh, entity can do in, in, in those kind of hauntings. If there is a listener out there who thinks they are being tormented by demonic activity, what is your advice for them? Well, instead of doing your own research, like WebMD, which is uh, atrociously bad for you when you have a health issue, um, you know, reach out. It's bad for you if you have a health issue, too. 
yeah, reach out. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, uh, reach out to somebody like myself. You know, you can contact me. You know, uh, at the end of the show, if it's not the end of the show already, uh, you can contact somebody like me. Uh, do research uh, on demonologist. You know, you can put my name in. It'll pop up a bunch of different shows. Um, you know, a lot of events that I've ever done. Um, you know, I've been on a few program television programs, uh, documentaries. Um, you know, that doesn't always give you the ability that you can actually help somebody. But I'm saying you can research somebody's name and see what their accolades are or what their backgrounds are. If you look up my name, it shows you that I go to Southern New Hampshire University for my psychology degree. Um, so you, you, these accolades are presentable uh, when you Google somebody's name. If you can, if you Google Joe Schmo and nothing comes up relating to demonology, then definitely uh, advert away from Joe Schmo. Um, and especially if they don't give references, but you know, reach out to somebody like me. If you're watching the show, if you need help, uh, 401-808-7416, call me. If you abuse me, I'll abuse you, but call me, email me, J-A-Y-A-N-N-I-T-T-O at yahoo.com, or you go to my website. If it's easier for you, and if you can't understand that, jamesanito.com, um, you know, Crystal can post it if she like, um. But yeah, one of those means get in touch with me. Um, you know, uh, you might not like what I have to tell you if you feel like it's one thing, but all I can say is listen to me. And, uh, you know, I am a specialist in this for a reason. And a lot of people respect me for a reason, uh, when it comes to this topic. Um, so, you know, sometimes you got to swallow a large pill to get to where you need to, but you know, uh, I feel like I, throughout my time, I've done something different. You know, I try to find out a cause and effect. I don't just try to nullify it. I find out the cause and effect so that I can help these people uh, live a better life for the rest of their life without just it being a few months or a few weeks. And it's very important, you know, to, to dig uh, as deep as you can to find why this is at the surface. Gotcha. James, we are just about at the end of the hour already. Can you believe it? Well, I definitely can believe it because I like the just talk. So, um, but you know, some deep questions though, really good questions, you know, and, uh, and like I tell most people, it's like when you're, when you're in love with something, um, you know, I, and you know, I, you know, we, the, the, the producer talking about Elon Musk at the, before we went live, you know, yeah. I, I feel like I'm the Elon Musk of the paranormal because like how, hyperactive his mind is and the way he speaks and articulates his words is how I feel because he's in love what he does. Like he is an inventor. He, he, he thinks of many different things of how things can move forward. And that's how I am in this field. I love what I do. I've researched it for so many years and it just like my mind just goes overload and hyperactive when uh, this topic comes at hand and you know how many things that I've researched there are so many different pathways you can go. There's a lot of theories. There's a lot of hyperpole to to mm -hmm. this field. And Too much TV. Yeah, there's just so much you can talk about. Um, one of the things I do want to ask you before we go, um, we went on this trip together last year, uh, Roman Romania. It was a very dark trip that we went on, tracing the footsteps of Vlad and Paler through Transylvania. What was that like for you? And what were some of the things you carried away from that trip? Oh man, like 
short and sweet is, you know, of course, I went on that trip with a, a lot of uh, baggage uh, going through a breakup and, you know, dealing with that emotion, uh, you know, having a great time, having a lot of fun with a lot of different people, including yourself. Um, but really how they lived out there, the food, uh, the lifestyle, uh, the beauty, uh I think of Romania every single day. I I, I wish yeah, I, I do too. I do. I too. wish I could be Andrew Tate or uh, one of the Tate brother and live there like they do. Not like them specifically in the same demeanor, but like them with how they live there and live a, a luxurious lifestyle. But I want to go back to Romania one day again. Um, you know, I I loved it. Uh, you know, to, to to especially to a lot of do a lot of things that we did. Um, especially investigate Corbin's castle, investigate yeah. Paler's birth home. Uh, it, it, it was uh, Vlad Tepesh's birth home. Uh, it was just, uh, it was so amazing, you know. But when I came back to life, my life went the utter shit. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I wish I stayed in Romania. But I'm glad to where I'm at right now. You know, things are... Uh, 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 blooming sunshines and sunflowers and everything now and life's uh, uh, a, a great predicament now. But, you know, I, I think that for a lot of us, and I think you including yourself, Crystal, uh, knowing you personally and a lot of what we talked about, it was uh, an awakening in some sorts. Yeah, it, it really was. It made, it made us look at the dark side of ourself. Um, yeah. Really awoken us. And that was the beauty of that trip. It was it was quite a trip. So, I think that's the end of our hour. What kind of trips are? What kind of projects are you working on right now? Are you coming back to the paranormal? Because I know you've taken a break there for a little bit. Yeah, so I I have been back. I've been doing a few radio shows. Been doing a few consultations. I just got done doing a couple of events the past couple of months. You know, so you know I'm not in it the way I used to be, you know, I have a 17 month old child, you know, I have a seven year old child. So really they, they're taking a lot of my time. I have a career, day career that, you know, takes a lot of my time. I'm the third in the company, uh, in the hierarchy. So I, my, my workload is nuts. Um, so, you know, I, I have really been focusing on my personal life and my work life. Uh, and of course this is a part of my life too, but you know, baby steps, you know, I'm not trying to run, right back into it the way I used to uh, do it. Uh, my biggest thing right now is probably working on that thing with Leon Wilkes and Shane McGillis and um, uh, Keith Johnson and trying to get that brotherhood off the ground and trying to get license, licensure. You know, it's a long road. I'm not saying with next year, but within the next couple of years, we'll have a little bit more of a distinct idea of where that's going to go. But yeah, that's probably be my big bread and butter uh, from now on because I really feel like that really needs to change and just keep growing myself, you know, keep learning about life every single day, learning something new. But yeah, that's my biggest thing. And I, uh, I know Maria said, uh, Romania is waiting you. Well, let me finish paying you this trip off first. And then, uh, then we'll talk about maybe doing another Romania trip, but I would extremely love to do so. Um, and hopefully that does happen and comes to fruition. Well, thank you so much, James, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I love it. Uh, very inquisitive, as always, Crystal. And uh, I'd love to be back on again for part two uh, in the future. Absolutely. I'll definitely have you back. 
Perfect. You've been listening to The Gateway. My guest, James Anito. You can find him at www.jamesanito.com. You've been listening to C.L. Thomas. We are United Public Radio Network, 107.7 New Orleans. I have some great guests coming up next week. Psychic medium Scott Allen to discuss spirit communication. So stay tuned until next time.